Hello, welcome to the Grace Life Podcast. The message you're about to hear, if diligently applied, will absolutely change your life. We're praying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, thereby allowing the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened. Now let's join the service already in progress with Pastor West. Church for many people can be many things in their minds. Sometimes it's how they grew up. Some of you might have grown up. My wife, they often, sometimes people ask you, well, what's, what's your history? How did you grow up in church? She said, I went, I grew up heathen. <laughs> and uh, depending on your experience, you know, we, we think God is like our history. Right. Come on. I guess everybody in the whole world knows, y'all can be seated. Everybody in the world knows Joel Osteen, do they not? Yes. <clears throat> But not as many people knew his father, John Osteen. And he used to be a Southern Baptist minister who got filled with the Spirit and got the left foot of fellowship, as he put it, from among them. And uh, he said, you might be, he said, you might be surprised to see who's in heaven. So there's the quiet people and there's the loud people. There's the hand clappers. There's the one wondering why you're here, right? And I always laugh because uh, they said, uh, asked Pastor John, John, Joel's father, said, said, is all that excitement and all that hand clapping and all that running around necessary? And, and uh, he says, well, I, they said, are the Pentecostals going to be there? Do we have to hear that for eternity? He said, well, they'll be there. He said, sometimes I know they run, they shout, they seem like they jump pews. He said, if they don't pass heaven's door running, they'll, they'll make it in there. <laughs> so do the best you can, okay? Amen. Well, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. I, see. I see you just about. Still a good-looking thing. <laughs> if you have to say it in faith. Amen. Well, good morning, and we're glad that you're here. This is the day the Lord hath made. Yes, it is. And it'll be true tomorrow. Yes. When off to work you go. And so we are, Michelle and I are excited today because uh, we are having some very new friends in our life that, we're, that we've known for just a little bit. Uh, the Hambys. Came from Georgia, but by way of Texas and around the world to be in Jemison. And so we are thrilled. We had a good time at supper with them last night. And uh, I'm just excited to see what God has in store for us. And uh, we're going to, at this time, receive the morning tithing offering uh, for the church. So, and then at the end of the service, we'll receive a special offering for the Hambies. If you brought one check, then that's fine. Then just note what's what on that tithing envelope. If you shift your tithe over to the special offering, you don't have to do that. We can actually do that in the office. <laughs> Some people say, well, I only got this. I'm going to give it. Well, I'll just put it on tithe, and we'll know what to do with it. So uh, we've been known to add, too, so that's not a problem for us. So God is good. Uh, I want to remind you the services, of course, you're here now t- tonight at 630. If you can be here, uh, be here at 630. If you can't be here, be here anyway. And then let's t- see if y'all's on the same page. And uh, then tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And uh, I think this thing will just begin to unfold and unpack. And I know these services will come one upon another. And uh, this will be a good way for us to bring 2017 to a close. And I think it will set us off for 2018. Now, I'm not saying God won't be doing anything after these last three days because, you know, he made a whole earth in just a few days. He could have done it in one, then he rested. But I'm just saying there's something that God's 
going to speak to us, I think, individually and corporately to our own heart if we're, if we're listening and receptive. And uh, so as you're doing that, I, I received something this morning, and I'm going to take a little bit more time than the rest of the services. I will not take any more time, but I want to uh, share this with you before they come. They're going to come after this and, and do, the, do the ministry. I told them, I said, that rolling piano is as old as me. I said, it's 23, and I, I'm 23, <laughs> thereabouts. And I thought about just throwing it away until I heard him on it this morning practicing, and I got to liking it better. <laughs> I didn't know that was in that box. <laughs> so we may keep you a little bit while longer rolling. So uh, can I just share with you what I, what I received this morning? Amen. Yes. <clears throat> uh, if you want to look at in the scriptures, you don't have to, but Isaiah chapter 60. And I think this is just some things that uh, may be a platform. I have no idea what the Hamburgers are going to minister on, but this is a platform for us to be able to hear and to receive what God has for us because it doesn't matter really how anointed someone is, does it? It doesn't matter how obedient they are if we don't receive. Jesus' hometown did not receive him, and he loved them. If you want to do good, you'd want to do good in your hometown. But did you notice that he didn't stay there? He wasn't received. So here's how we do when we have a brand new guest minister. This is, this is how we do it. I'm telling the hammies this. We pretend like this is your fifth time here. And we've already decided a long time ago that we liked y'all very much. You're our favorite ministers. And we, we're just thrilled that you came back. This is your fifth time here. We, and that gives them time to decide if they like us. <laughs> Again, don't you? <laughs> So we don't want to have to take two services. You know, this is, uh, how many ever flown commercially? Most people have, have you not? Uh, for me, the, the, if you like flying it off of me, the takeoff is because I like power. And uh, going down the runway, that's, that's whatever. So <clears throat> as far as we're concerned, we're on the runway. We've already got clearance from the tower. And, and we're about to go. That way they don't have to do the tire pump thing for two services. <laughs> And have 45 minutes the last night to say, I think this is what God was wanting to say on Sunday morning. Amen. So, <clears throat> how many are glad the Hambies are back with us? Amen. Woo. Okay, so that's where we start off. <clears throat> so I, I don't know if there's order to this or not, but this is the way I got it, so I wrote it down. The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So if you don't have any joy, get in the kingdom. If you have a loss of peace in your life, get in the kingdom. If you want a right standing with God, it's in the kingdom. Okay? Isaiah 60, 1 through 3 says this. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. That's the female translation. It said, arise from the depression. Just uses a few more words. Uh, arise from your depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. Shine. Be radiant with the glory of the Lord. Let your light, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness covers the earth. There's a lot going on in the earth, right? I mean, it's, it sounds different from Fox News to CNN, but either way, it's, there's a lot going on in the earth. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth in dense darkness all peoples, but the Lord shall arise upon you. A lot's going on, but now he's talking about you because you're in the kingdom, okay? 
O Jerusalem, O Jemisonites, O Clantonites, Thorsbonites, Shelbonites, and uh, Alabaster, and whatever you are, you know, just. Uh, his glory shall be seen on you. All nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. I'll read one more verse. Lift up your eyes round about you and see. You have to pick your eyes up. Hear and see. Hear and see these, these, these three services that we have. They all gather themselves together. They come to you. Your sons and daughters come from afar. Your daughters should be carried and nursed in their arms. And the whole verse chapter is good, but I'll, I'll stop there. Now, part of receiving is what we have is how well we receive the, the gift in our midst. That's a whole series, and I can't do a series, right? But there's, gift, there's a gift and gifts in our midst today sent by God. If you receive them as the gift of God, you receive them as if Jesus came in the house himself. Amen. Now, did I say they were Jesus? No. no. But I'm receiving the gift of Jesus within them. Amen. And the gift and the office of the, of the prophet or prophetess in, in the house and understanding the gift and God wants that to operate, it, it makes us complete. It, we, we, we need that office. We need the administration of that office. And so <clears throat> the scripture says in Second Chronicles twenty twenty, if you believe in the Lord your God, and if I were to ask you, do you believe in the Lord? Yes. You'd say you would you, you would say you do, right? Well he says if you do, you'll be established. But then he says, But will you believe his prophets? Yes. Yes. See, it's just not one size. I'm a believer, but I don't believe them. Okay, just it may not work for you then, right? Believe in the Lord your God. You'll be established but, if you believe established, but if you believe the prophet, you shall prosper. So how do we receive the gift is tied to this thing altogether. We welcome the gift. We want the gift. We desire the gift. We, we appreciate the gift. We esteem the gift of God in our midst. And there's a lot of ways to do that. That's not by keeping them at the door at 2 o'clock when the service is over because they're tired and hungry and need to get back, whatever. That's re receiving you know, and, and to receive the, the, the prophetical gifts, you know, uh, there can be signs, wonders, and miracles, but the words that the, the prophet would speak as the seer and overseer and seeing things in the realm of the Spirit and corporately into your, to your life sometimes, those words are as valuable. Well, I don't know how valuable. I mean, what worth could you put on? I was in a meeting one time. My church knows this, but I don't remember the meeting because... Uh, a prophet who's in heaven now, Ed Dufresne, laid hands on me. I thought he shot me and killed me. <laughs> to this day, I've just never, I just, he just like electricity and went, and I, and I was on the ground. And someone said, did, uh, how did you fall? Like a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I wouldn't, no one pushed me down. And I was just, and this is the days of a VHS videotape. If you don't know what that is, ask someone with gray hair. They know what it is. And I watched it later in some of our churches, and I said, boy, I bet you like what Dr. Dufresne said to you. And I said, he, was talk he, talk he said something to me? Because I'm still like, in a church in Birmingham. And um, he walked, he, he, he just laid hands on me. There was two, about 50, 60 ministers, and he just boom, 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 boom. And it just hit me like electricity. And uh, so he walked, uh, watching the tape, he walked past me, 
And then he came back and he said, oh, I see that. He said, you, you little imp, you, you whatever from the pit of hell, you've been dogging him and you've been doing this. And he's talking about finances. And he gave the command for that thing to take a hike, however he said it. I don't even know he's talking to me. You know, I, I'm on the floor, like, you know, getting get the perm, you know, with a tight curl. <laughs> my toenails are growing, you know. <laughs> and so uh, I watched that. <clears throat> I didn't have time to go to the church and talk about anything or say anything. And the finances just doubled. They, they just took off. The office of the prophet came in and declared and decreed and said... Now, the next verse, and, and, and like I said, after this morning, I won't spend any more time doing this, but Job uh, chapter 22, 26 through 29 in the Amplified. Job 22, 26 through 29 says, For then thou shalt have delight in the Almighty. Well, let me read from Amplified. You shall have delight in the Almighty. Lift up your face to God. Make your prayer to Him, and He will hear you. You'll pay your vows. You will decide and decree a thing. That which you decide, that which you decree, will be established for you. The teacher, pardon me, wants to keep going. <laughs> and the light of God's favor shall shine upon you. Now, last verse. When, thou make, when they make you low, you will say, there is a lifting up. When the things in life, this, the pressures in your life, is, is pressuring you to bring... You, your family, your children, your marriage, your home, your finances. When everything says you're, gonna, you're going low, you will say, no, there's a, there's a lifting up. And the humble person, he lifts up and saves. I'll even read the next verse. And he will deliver the one from whom you intercede who is not even innocent. Someone might get delivered this morning who's not here, who's connected to you. That, that are you? Could God, could God be in two places at one time? Someone say, imagine that. <laughs> All right, now Job 23. I'm almost through. Job 23, verses 12 through 14 in the Amplified. It's not the only translation I use, but this morning I want to use this. Verse 13, he is unchangeable, and who can turn him? And what he wants to do, he does. There's, you can say a lot of ways. He's large and in charge, right? Whatever God has planned to do and purpose to do, he will do. Yeah, but no, that, that doesn't work. What he's planned to do and wants to do and desires to do, he will do. But how much better we cooperate with that? Verse 14, for he performs that which he has planned for me. There's a plan, there's a design on your life. And I believe in these three services, gonna, there's going to be a coming together, a meshing together, and a clarity of that, that maybe it's been a little fuzzy, or everything is trying to keep you from coming to that moment, but you are here for such a time as this. And I promise you, if you're headed toward this, there's going to be obstacles today, tonight, and tomorrow to keep you out of that and say, hey, you're just tired. You know, you did that thing. But I want to encourage you to press in and press forward. Here's what I've learned in my 55 years of life. 
Success is not always easy, and it never comes on you to attack you. Hmm? There, is, there is a pressing in. But, that when you're, but when you're in faith about it, then you get into a place called rest. And then you're resting in the Lord. Okay? So Job twenty two twenty nine says, When men say there's a casting down, because you are walking in the light, in his light, then you will say there is a lifting up. No matter the crisis, the problem, nothing can stop us as we walk in the light of our covenant. Because the law, this is what he gave me this morning, the law of the spirit of life under which we operate more than handles the law of sin and death. Psalms 90 verse 7 says, A thousand shall fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. I don't know if you ever thought about that, that verse. We, we get excited because it's not coming near us. But if a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, it's in your view. I mean, you're seeing it. It's coming close. He said, but it doesn't get you. There is a demarcation in this thing. Yes. It, 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 it looks like it's coming to your yard. It looks like it's coming in your home. It looks like what the world gets, you get. But Jesus made a big distinction between us, the people who were his, and the people who were not. And he, he asked his disciples, who, who, who did they say I am? He says, you're out there. What are they saying? They said, well, you know, well, if you want to know, some thinks you're John the Baptist, and some thinks you're Jeremiah, or some thinks you're Elias. You know, you're, you're one of the prophets that have come back. And he said, well, I'm not none of those. Then he asked him the second question, which is what? He said, well, then who do you say that I am? In other words, he was looking for a different answer from someone who should have a different perspective. In other words, you could watch news, fake news, any kind of news, and it could be bad. Right? Then he would ask the question, he said, well, you watch the news, what did it say? And if Jesus asked you what's going on in the world, he would know. But if he asked you, you could say, well, you know, North Korea is this and that's that and my finances are this and all that. And then he would say, yeah. Well, what do you say? There should be a, a line in the sand and a, and a demarcation because we're not children of luck. We're children of light. And we have a covenant. And did you know that God is not a man that he should lie? Can't do it. So what he said, he will perform. But it's important that we receive the gift in our midst. The freedom that we give the gift to operate, the, the freer it will flow. So if it's different from what you're used to, I could care less. You know... If my hand or my foot is in a trap or something, you know, you see these old mountain movies, you know, where someone gets in a trap. I, don't know if, I hope that would never happen to you. But if you ever got in a trap and you're out in the woods and someone comes along and frees you, do you care if they're Republican or Democrat or Independent? <laughs> what are you looking for? <laughs> you say, no. Oh, you're down. I, I can't. I'll wait on the Republican. <laughs> this is the day the Lord hath made. So don't take this out of your time. You'll be free to do whatever. So let's go ahead and receive the offering. I call you blessed in Jesus' name. We're not going to pray. I've already. Jesus won't be nervous. We don't close our eyes and receive the offering. Hallelujah. We're going to let our children go to children's church right after.
you do that, and then they're going to come and minister, I think, in music and praise and worship and whatever, whatever they want to do, I'm happy. Aren't you? Brother and sister, it is yours. We thank you for coming back to Grace Life Church in Jemison. This is your fifth time, and we're ready. Well, good morning. Look at somebody and say you look better than you did last Sunday. You're getting more and more glorified. <laughs> What a joy it is to be with you again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm your brother from another mother, and uh, we, we have the same father. Amen. And it's good to be with you. You've met some, some uh, Texans. I started to say former Texans, but if you've ever been from Texas, you're never former. <clears throat> Especially after last Tuesday night when the Astros won the World Series. And... Uh, if you're a Dodger fan, God help you, but uh, it's so good to be with you today, and to know that Jesus is still Lord. Yes, he, is. he is Lord. Look at, look at somebody on the other side now. Don't you know, look at somebody on the other side and say, it doesn't matter where you are. You're in a good place, because wherever you are, you're in the place for a miracle, for God to break through for you. And I believe that. I want you to look, Betty's coming, but I want you to look at Hosea. That's in the Old Testament. And if you can find it, you're better than I am. Hosea. <laughs> Help me find Hosea. Here it is. Chapter 6. It's interesting that we've got three services in two days. Look, look at this, chap, chapter 6, verse 1. <clears throat> Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, but he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. Let us know. Let us pursue the... Let us pursue... Let us pursue... It's interesting, we pursue what we deem valuable. We pursue what we deem important. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like rain, like the latter and the former to the earth. I believe that these three services are ordained from God. And I don't believe that one is going to be any more special than the other, or I don't believe that one is going to be less important than the other. I believe that God, what God does is he adds every time we come together. He adds to what we already have. He adds to the foundation. He adds 
I, I like the verse that you, 2 Chronicles 20. Believe the word of the Lord and you will be established. This, this building is established on a foundation. That's what this is. This is your foundation. But, he all, but the New Testament says, Paul said that, that uh, he uses the apostles and the prophets to build on the, on the foundation that's already been. So what Betty and I have come to do is to build on what you already know. To build on what you're already doing. Hallelujah. I, I feel good already. Come, Betty. Betty and I just celebrated our 48th anniversary. We have two sons. One is a pastor in Dalhart, Texas, and the other is a hospice chaplain in Fort Smith, Arkansas. We got seven grandchildren, six girls, and one boy. Uh huh. There's a lot of estrogen in our family. Anyway, our one grandson, he's, he just turned 10. And I told him the other day, I said, Josiah, his name is Josiah Levi. How would you like to be hung with that? <laughs> There's no hope for your future. You just know what direction you're going in. Josiah Levi. I said, Josiah, you're my favorite grandson. He said, Papa Joy. He said, I'm your only grandson. <laughs> How many of you have grandchildren? Hold your hand up high. You got grandchildren? Good. You know what grandchildren are. Grandchildren are God's gift to you for not killing your kids. He said, if you won't kill them, you will get grandchildren. <laughs> so Betty and I, we, 48 years, we have, it's been an incredible journey. It's, uh, our preaching, our pastor friend in Ecuador says it's a, a preaching adventure. It's a preaching. So Betty and I have been on a 48-year adventure together. It has been an amazing adventure. <laughs> and we're still standing, y'all. God is so good, isn't he? Wow. I just couldn't even begin to tell you all the awesome things that he's done in our lives, through our lives, taking us places I never dreamed we'd ever go. But God... He just wants someone who's willing and obedient. We just say yes, and there's just no limits right. on what God can do with a yielded, surrendered life. And uh, it's just such a joy to be with your pastors today. We met them a few months ago briefly and then had fellowship last night. And we just have fallen in love with the yes, two of them. You are truly blessed I'm not just saying that because I don't always say that, okay? <laughs> but you are truly blessed to have them yes. because we heard their hearts, especially last night, and it was so powerful. And so you are truly blessed. Don't let anybody shake you, move you. You stay firmly planted in this church because God's going to do awesome things. And Pastor, I just saw this morning that uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, that you're at critical mass. Mm. And I don't know if you know what that exactly means, and I'm not very scientific. Or, Let me tell them what crit okay. critical mass is when an before an atomic explosion <laughs> happens, Hallelujah. pressure <laughs> is placed on the atom, 
and it implodes before it explodes. And that point of implosion is called critical mass. When you think everything is falling apart, when you think everything is turning inward, when everything, whatever God has spoken will not happen, just know that that pressure is causing the explosion. And you're going to see what God has promised. Glory to God. Glory to God. And I I just felt that so strong. And um, I just can't wait to see what God's going to do. And I had uh, something else came to me. You know, uh, we have some CDs back in the back. Uh, you'll see our two sons on them. We uh, led praise and worship for Women of the Word conferences all over the United States at one time. We took one son one time, one son the other, and we recorded the music. They are oldies, but they're goodies because they're anointed. And uh, you're going to be blessed if you go back there and visit our table and check out the music. Let me say this. But, the songs you were singing this morning, are, I'm, they're oldies, but goodies. You know? But Betty said something a few months ago. She said, old school is new school. Because we have a generation that has never heard those songs. They listen to them and they go, ooh, I like that. Is that new? (laughs) And you know what? God's word never changes. He never changes. So why do we discard songs that are full of the word? Come on. You know, why don't we, why do we have to do the latest greatest? That may not be the greatest, may just be the latest. And everywhere we go, we hear the latest greatest, but it's not always the greatest, (laughs) the latest. But you know what? We just need to be centered on the word of God and the songs that bless his heart. Because isn't it all about him, not our preference, but what pleases him? We, we got it all wrong. We focus on us, but we're supposed to focus on pleasing the Father. Can you say amen? Yeah. Anyway, I was going to say, our oldest son, when he gets on the keyboard and starts playing, Joey and I go into a prophesying frenzy. And uh, if you don't understand what that is, look up uh, Saul, First Samuel, and realized that Saul, when he came upon the company of the prophets, he went into a prophesying frenzy. And when our son begins to play, he just has that anointing. And when he starts playing, we both go into a prophesying frenzy because it releases the anointing. And what you shared this morning, Pastor, is so powerful because it's what you receive. It's what you draw upon. When you draw upon the anointing, it releases that anointing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with the congregation because you got us excited when you did that. Because when you make a demand upon the anointing, making a demand. when you make a demand upon the anointing, God is going to meet you and do things way beyond what you could ever comprehend. Hallelujah. Wow. Let me just add this. Read, read the New Testament. Whenever a demand was placed upon Jesus, the people got what they wanted and needed. So how much do you want? It's, a, it's interesting Woo! because two blind men followed Jesus to, his, to where his, he was staying. And he went inside. He wasn't going to heal them. And he said, what, what do you want? They said, we want to see. He said, okay, see. <laughs> 
So they place the demand on the anointing. Okay, so I was just going to say we have CDs back there. This is our latest one. It's actually our friend Nancy Harmon. We've been on television. We were on television with her for years. We've known her 40-something years. And uh, we sang. There's one of our songs on here. And then we did background. My husband did keyboard. And so that's a powerful new CD. And I'll tell you what, she is an incredible songwriter. And there are several songs on here that she wrote that are... I can't choose which one's my favorite because there's so many powerful ones. And then my husband went into the studio and he did just music. And we have uh, three of those and they're available back there. But uh, when you uh, go back and visit our table, you just help keep sending us. So you receive the same reward that we receive because you've blessed us. So I encourage you, we don't usually do a lot of promotion. There's some Holy Ghost jewelry back there to make you armed and dangerous. Because when you wear something that declares, whew, declares the power of God across, you let people know who you are, and they begin to come out of the word work, and you may have an opportunity to witness to them and share the gospel if they're really hungry. It'll come out. And I've got to quit talking because we want to <laughs> hurry through because I believe God has great things Amen. in store for all of us today, and we're so happy to be here. Hallelujah. You lift your hands. Just give the Lord praise this morning. Oh, we praise you. Neither is there any rock Hallelujah. like you. Hallelujah. Our God, holy is the Lord. Hallelujah. Holy, Glory holy are you, Lord. Glory oh, we bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> One day we won't look at the clock and go, wow, it's 11.30. we got to stop worshiping. One day we'll be able to worship as long as you want. And it won't be by faith anymore. It'll be by sight. Because you'll be looking straight into the face of the one who gave his life for you. You'll be able to look straight into his face and worship him. Hallelujah. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Just lift one hand and say, you're a good, good father. All right, that's enough. You can sit down. So just, you're a good, good father. Wow. What a joy it is to be with your precious pastors. You know, a shepherd is one who not only looks out for the sheep, you know what, we, we don't see this a whole lot now in the church. But the shepherd is the one that God gives the permission to correct sheep. And the reason we don't see a whole lot of it today 
is because people get mad and just go down to the street, you know, the church down the street. <laughs> you guys have pastors who hurt for you, who laugh with you, who joy with you. They, and Peter said, you'll be responsible in the end for, their, for the way you grow spiritually. We've got a lot of Christians today that they have spiritual ADHD. Because all they ever get is sugar. You don't like that? I've got another one here in a minute. No, I'm just saying, pastors are, thank God for, thank God for men and women who God has called them. God has called them. We've got a lot of people that are not called to be pastors today. They like the title, but not the responsibility. But thank God there are still men and women who are called to be pastors of congregations and pastors of flocks. And you know, I think your pastors know who they are. You don't have to worry. I, I was listening to the Lord recently, and this is, this is what I heard the Lord say. <clears throat> Things are about to drastically change. The church, the nation the world are about to drastically change. He said, the Lord said, I'm going to use those who have been on the backside of the desert, keeping those few sheep. Those pastors thought that their A game was over or leaders thought their A game was over, that they had been relegated to the backside of the desert and to the bench, even to the showers, not needed any longer. Your gifts and talents weren't needed any longer. Then the Lord said, Moses was on the backside of the desert tending his father-in-law's sheep. How would you like to be 80 years old still working for your father-in-law? Oh, Jesus. But the Bible says in, in, in Exodus 3.1, but when he came to Horeb. But when Moses came to Horeb, which is interpreted the mountain of God, Elijah came to Horeb, uh, Moses came to Horeb, it's called the mountain of God in parenthesis. But this is what Horeb means, the mountain where God meets you. It's not just the mountain of God, it's the mountain where God divinely meets with you. And the word horror means to parch, to, to be desolate, to be destroyed, to kill, to decay, to dry up, to lay or to make waste. Like the juniper tree that, that uh, Jonah sat under. It means to yoke up, to bind. Elijah thought God was through with him until he got to the mountain of Horeb. And God met him. And Elijah had these excuses. I'm the only one. You've never thought that, have you? 
I'm the only one, God. And God said, get over it. You're not the only one. I've got 7,000 that have not kissed Baal. There are people in Jemison that God has raised up. I believe God has raised this church up for such a time as this. And everything you've gone through, everything you've experienced is for this time. We were talking at dinner last night about how wine is purified. Wine is purified, it settles, the sediment settles to the bottom, and you pour it into another cup. The sediment stays in the original cup. And you do it three or four times until the wine is pure. That's what happened with Joseph. Joseph gave the dream to his, his daddy and his 11 brothers, and he said, one day you're going to bow down and worship me. Here I am. They wanted to kill him right then. How many of you would have been in that group? But Joseph had to go from the pit. He had to be dredged to the prison, or to Potiphar's house, had to be poured out again to the prison. And by the time God was through purifying him, it was time. Pharaoh said, bring him to me. So God is doing a good work here in Jemison. He's doing a good work. Say, well, you just don't know what we've been through. You have been being poured out. That's what happened with Moses. Moses at Horeb was lying waste. He was drying up, 80 years old. I mean, can you imagine God coming to the burning bush, God speaking to Moses, and Moses talking to God, and God saying, I've chosen you. And Moses goes, why now? I've just got my first social security check. I'm ready to retire. He was drying up. He was lying waste, but God showed up. Even in his devastation and lying waste and renewed him, refired him, Gave him a new assignment. A new assignment will be like putting a new spark plug inside of you. A new assignment with a new purpose. And let me just say this. God's not through with you. Look at somebody and say he's talking to you. God's not through with you. I talked to a pastor a couple of weeks ago. I'm 61. He was in California. He said, That's no reflection. He said, I'm 61. I'm almost 62. And I'm ready to just retire. Let me tell you, you, re you can retire from mechanics. 
You can retire from school teaching, but you cannot retire from ministry. Because Jeremiah said, it's like fire shut up in my bones. We have a dear friend that thought he was retiring, but every time he gets in a Holy Ghost service, man, you better not give him the microphone because he will preach. I don't care if it's two minutes, he'll preach and his veins will stick out. Today, God is going to renew your vision and your purpose. Also, there are people in this room that have blown it. You've, you've blown it royally. You've blown it so royally that you thought God would never use you again. You thought he had given up on you. That you could never be used by God again. But read Judges 13 to 16. Samson... Blew it royally. Here was the priest. I mean, he was the judge that God had raised up. He used the very gifts that God had given to him to bring himself fame, fortune, and pleasure. He broke the vow between him and God. Samson tried to get as close to sin as possible. He even put his head in Delilah's lap. Could I just say this? There are Pentecostal churches here in Alabama that it's okay if you drink. If it's okay if you have a hangover on Sunday morning, just come to church, put your tithes in. Pentecostal, you know, instead of getting as close to God as we can get, many churches are trying to get as close to sin. That's enough. All right. Samson put his head in Delilah's lap. It got his hair shorn. Got his eyes gorged out. It got him crushing grain for the enemy. One day he's in his prison cell, depressed, thinking I can't see any longer. I'm having, to, I'm having to work for the enemy. And as he rubbed his bald head, he felt the hair growing again. And as he felt his head and he felt the hair, God said, I'm not through with you. So it doesn't matter how royally you think you've blown it. God's not through with you. There is hope. Judges 16, 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. God had Samson in the right place, repairing and preparing him. Whoa. Those two words. God had Samson in the right place preparing him and repairing him at the same time for the greatest victory of his life. And God is getting some of you in the position 
for the greatest victory of your life. You think you're in prison. You think you've blown it with no hope. You think you're on the backside of the desert keeping a few sheep. But God is getting you ready for your greatest victory. Genesis 50, 20 says, But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day. And here's the key. To save many people. Do you know something? It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about him. It's about his kingdom. It's about getting everything back that the enemy stole in the garden. And Jesus has given us power and authority to do it. I just wanted to share that with you because I, I believe, I believe that the grit doesn't matter how things look. You said earlier, Jesus said, who do men say that I am? But who do you say? You look around, you see what's happening. What do you think is happening? What do they say is happening? Sin News and Fox and whoever else doesn't matter what they're saying what does God's word say and that's your foundation that is that is your foundation you're in a good place Paul and Silas were in a Philippian jail Bible says they had been beaten they put in a dungeon. Their hands and their feet were in stocks. But the Bible says at midnight, they began to sing hymns. A mighty fortress is our God. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And about that time, about 1201, the Bible says there was a local localized earthquake that just shook that one building. Betty and I lived in California for 10 years. I've been in an earthquake. I was inside a building like a, a, a church sanctuary kind of like this one Thursday morning and, and all of a sudden, man, the, the concrete slab began to do this. I could see it. I mean, how long did it take me to get out the front door? Not long. This was a localized earthquake. And as soon as all the prison doors were opened, the, the Philippian jailer comes and says, I'm going to kill myself. And Paul says, don't kill yourself. He said, we're all here, we're all accounted for. The Bible says he went, got stuff, he began to bathe their wounds and to dress their wounds. Now listen to what he said. He said, what must I do to be saved? He wasn't interested in Jesus. He was interested in what can I do to save my life right now. And Paul says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your household will be saved. 
Do you know that Philippian jailer went on to become a pastor of a church? He not only got saved, his whole family, and it all began in a dungeon. You think God doesn't know what he's doing? Oh, God, get me out of here. Do you know what's happening here? Are you still there? Like the man hanging on the side of a cliff, holding on to a root. He says, somebody up there. All of a sudden, the clouds parted. And this voice comes from heaven. And he says, my son, let go of the root. And the guy goes, is there anybody else up there? God, do you see what we're going through here in Jemison? God says, I've got it all in control. They that wait upon the Lord. Shall, oh, I don't like that verse. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait doesn't mean to sit and twiddle your thumbs. My granny used to sit on the front porch of her house 56 Frederick Street in Hogansville, Georgia. And she'd sit there rocking, twiddling her thumbs. And when she got tired that way, she'd reverse them. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the word wait, the word wait means to hope, to trust. But our son, Jeremy, when he was 20, 21 years old, worked in a five-star restaurant in Houston. I don't like five-star restaurants. Number one, I don't like the price. Number two, I don't like somebody hovering over me, doing everything but feeding me my food. In a five-star restaurant, you've got a, a person that's standing right behind you, and you take a drink of water, they fill it right back up. I mean, you almost have to fight them for that last bite. They're ready to take that plate. What do we call those people? We call them waiters. Because they're waiting on you that whatever you need, they're there. Now think about they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings. Like eagles, you're in a good place. Say, but I, I feel like a car that's gotten in a mud hole and just spinning my tires. Well, wait until it dries up. The children of Israel at the Red Sea. They can't go back. They can't go to the right or the left. So the only thing that the children of Israel knew to do was to attack Moses. Why did you bring us here? You brought us here to kill us. Here we are. We can't go far. can't go. And God says, tell them to shut up and hold your rod, which was symbolic of the anointing, 
over the Red Sea. Moses did, and a way was made where there was no way. That's why I say you're in a great place for a miracle. You keep, Betty and I go, we can't go back. Don't want to go back. But we, it would be nice to go this way or this way. God says, just hold on. I'm about to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. Jehoshaphat, the Israelites, surrounded, 2 Chronicles 20. Enemy on every occasion. The Lord said to Jehoshaphat, this battle is not yours, this battle is mine. First thing Jehoshaphat did was feared, which is, that's our natural instinct. Is when, when something happens, we become afraid. We fear. But then the Bible says he began to seek God. He left the fear stage. He began to seek God, called for fasting and prayer, prayed before the Lord, and God sent him a word. Look at somebody and say a word. Word, word from God will change your life forever. He said, this, this battle is not yours. This battle is mine. All you got to do is get ready, go to the path of Ziz, show up for the battle tomorrow, and watch me. Some of you just, you just need to say, God, where do you want me to show up? Daniel in the lion's den, Joseph in the pit. Let me tell you what God wants to do. There's a word, Betty. If you want to share this, Betty. This word came several weeks ago. God wants to shift us. God wants to shift us. He wants to change situations today. Anybody ever driven a straight shift? I learned how to drive a 1959 Chevrolet. Three speed on the column. And when Betty and I were dating, I could do everything with my left hand. I could shift. I could do the... Blinker, I could drive, I could do everything with the left hand because my right hand was around Betty. But in order to shift, if you understand mechanics, in order to shift from one gear to another, you have to clutch. Now what, does, what happens when you clutch? When you push the clutch in, what happens to the gears? It disengages. And if you could look at the gears, it's almost like everything stops for a moment while you shift. Some of you are in that position right now. You are disengaged because God is getting ready to shift you and you feel like a cat with his tail caught. In a trap. Ah! And God says, I've just got you disengaged for a few moments until I can shift you to a higher gear. I want to do something new in you. We don't, I'm 67. I don't wake up every morning go, going, God, what? new do you want to do in my life today 
Matter of fact, I don't like new. I'm comfortable with the old. Aren't we? I don't, I, I don't like change. I, I'm, I'm comfortable. But God says in order to change, I've got to shift you. I've got to disengage you in order to get you into a higher gear. I want you to look very closely in closing. Don't you love those words, in closing? Isaiah, chapter 43. Isaiah, chapter 43. And when you get there, just say yes. Okay, look at me now. Judges chapter 16. Don't, don't look there. I, I, I want to, or Judges chapter 6, I'm sorry. You see the story of Samson. Samson, the judge, is going to fight the Philistines. The Bible says on his way to fight the Philistines, he bends over and he grabs the jawbone of a donkey. He grabs the jawbone of a donkey and the Bible says he begins to swing. And every, every way he swung the jawbone of the donkey, Philistines fell dead. Until the Bible said he had slain a thousand Philistines. I mean, he would, if you could see it in a John DeMille movie, it probably looked like a buzzsaw swinging that jawbone of the donkey. But here's the key. The Bible says that when he got through, now this, this will change your life, guys. When he got through, what did he do with the jawbone? Now, if it had been us classic Pentecostals, we would have gone to the patent office we would have gotten a patent lawyer. We would have patented the jawbone. We would have packaged it. And on the front of the package and on those info commercials, we would have said, this jawbone killed a thousand Philistines. And if you call in the next 20 seconds, you'll get two jawbones. But the Bible says, when he got through with the job, listen, Pentecostalism would be miles down the road if when we got through with what God was using, if we had thrown it down. We're still doing stuff that worked 50 years ago. Because it worked then, God says, I'm ready to shift you I'm ready to, but now watch, watch. That's not the end of that story. The Bible says, Samson said, God, I just got through killing a thousand Philistines for you. 
Now, I don't have anything to drink. Are you going to let me thirst to death? The, Bible, the, the name of the place was Lohi. And the Bible says that God caused the hill where Samson had defeated the Philistines to break open and water flowed up. Quenched his thirst, satisfied him, and he continued. Isaiah 43, you're there. Now look at, look at somebody and say, context, context. What is this in the context of verse 18? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. What is he talking about here? He's talking about how he has delivered them in the past. He said, I made a way through the sea. I've made a way through the wilderness. But don't look back there anymore. Because I want to do something new in your life. I like that verse, Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The word arise means to get up from where you have been in a reclining position. Betty and I have got two recliners at our house. A his and a hers. And I get in my recliner and I'm looking at the ceiling. And I'm having visions of longhorn steak <laughs> and potato and salad. And all of a sudden, Betty will be in the kitchen and she'll say, Joey, I need you to come here right now. And I'm like the woman in the commercial. I have fallen and I can't get up. <laughs> we have two of those recliners. They call them lazy boy chairs. And that's the, there's a reason. Because when you buy them, they sell you a spirit of lazy that comes along with it. But Isaiah says, arise, shine. Let God do something fresh and new through you. To where people will step back and say, whoa, this must be God's deliverance. This must be God's power working in and through you. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. New. New. Let me close with this. My second closing. Second Samuel chapter 6. You see the story. 
You see the story of David picking up the Ark of the Covenant from the Philistines to bring it back to Israel. I had never understood this story until just recently. David, David had orchestrated a group of priests and men to come, and he had even had them build a new cart for them to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem on. And they would take a few steps and they'd stop. They would offer a sacrifice to the Lord. They were doing everything right as it should have been, except one thing. All of a sudden, the ark hits a bump in the road. The ark is unsteadied. And two men reach to grab the ark to keep it from falling. And the Bible says God struck them dead. And I thought, I never liked that. I'm saying, God, they were just trying to help you out. They didn't want you to fall. And I never understood that passage until I recognized that the ark, yes, it was a new cart. But God had already, in Exodus, given them instructions how to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark was to always be carried on the shoulders of the priest. So you've got two extremes. You've got people wanting something new. You've got people wanting to hang on to the old. So what do you do? When God's through with something, you throw it down. But when God's given us instructions, like tithes, offering, you don't mess with that. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, get over it. That's still part of the book. God wants to do something new, but he don't want us to orchestrate what he's about to do. He wants us to say, God, my, my mind goes back to 2 uh, Samuel 5 where David fought the Philistines and he, he asked God, what should I do? Should I go up against them? God said, yes, go up against them. So he goes up against them. He defeats them. They came back against him. Now, he could have gone with the first instruction, but he came back to God the second time and he said, God, should we do it again the same way? And God said, no. This time go this way, and when you hear the marching of the armies in the tops of the mulberry bush, then you attack. Listen, God wants us, he wants to shift us, he wants to do something new and fresh, but let me tell you something, he is the orchestrator of new roads in the wilderness new rivers in the desert. He is the, or they that wait upon the Lord, not twiddle your thumbs. Though you keep doing what you know to do, but you wait on him to do what he is about to do. Hallelujah.
How many of you received that this morning? Father, we bless you today. What I, what I see in the Spirit is that this, this church is in the middle of shifting. It's almost like at the moment you're disengaged, but God says, I'm about to shift you to a higher gear. I'm about to shift you. The prayers that you have prayed, calling out to the Lord has not been in vain. God has heard every cry. He has seen every tear. And the answer is about to be poured out. You hear. You hear. You hear the word of the Lord. Your answer has not been discarded in heaven. Your, your cry has been heard and the answer is about to come. 